Get ready for a big show on tap today. We're covering the divisional round of the playoffs. We are now down to the final four in the AFC. You've got the Chiefs and the Bills. I will recap both of those teams. We will also get to the Packers and the Bucks. That's a big NFC Championship game matchup from the Brooklyn Nets making their big three debut. We finally heard from Kyrie Irving as he joins the Nets once again after his absence of seven full games. And we've got to talk about some NFL coaching hires. We had some press conferences, and then yesterday the Eagles hired a somewhat unknown coach from the Indianapolis Colts. And then, of course, the rumors with the Houston Texans as they are now the last and final team that needs to fill a head coaching vacancy. Looks like nobody really wants that job. We'll see. But it's going to be a long, fun show. Can't wait. It all starts in one minute. Listening to This Week in Sports. Here's your host, The Pody. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to This Week in Sports, episode number 128. It is Friday evening, January 22nd, 2021. It's going to be a really fun weekend. We've got the AFC and NFC championships in the NFL. We've got basketball going on all weekend. We've got tomorrow night, UFC 257. We've got Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor. Okay, that should be interesting. That should be a fun one to watch. All right. But first, we do have to recap the NFL playoffs. Of course, we'll get into Kyrie Irving. He is back. What do I think of the dramatic antics? The, the, uh, you know, Kyrie being Kyrie, right? The way he answered some of those questions at the press conference. We'll get to all of that, but Kyrie Irving is back. The big three officially made their team debut with the Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday. So without further ado, let's jump right into the NFL playoffs. First up, let's talk the number one seeded Packers in the NFC. They go, what, 13-3 and this year. Uh, You know, Matt LaFleur in his second season. Just phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. You couldn't ask for anything better. Aaron Rodgers having the best year of his career, right? Uh, Well, they were clicking once again on all cylinders Saturday in their 32-18 win over the Rams in the divisional round. Look, the Rams, they were a nice little Cinderella story, of course, a few years ago. 
They were in the Super Bowl losing to Tom Brady and the Patriots. But let's face it, a banged up Jared Goff, okay? You had a banged up Aaron Donald. This team just, you know, not the same explosive team it, it's been in years past. So the the Packers really had no trouble. I mean, it was a little bit close late. Uh, the game was tied at three entering the second quarter. But that's pretty much when Aaron Rodgers decided, you know what, this might be the number one defense, but I'm still Aaron Rodgers. 24 seconds left. Rodgers has time, can't find anyone. Now pressure. Rodgers running away, throwing on the run. It's good for 33. I, I don't know what you do in this situation. You're able to get him off his spot with just four guys rushing. So here come your four rushers. You get him off the spot. Now watch this throw on the move as he climbs the pocket. I mean, what do you do? He got a little bit of handful of jersey right there. Aaron Donald's gotten close. Yeah, so just it was spectacular. Um, of course, he the pump fake. I. I I advocate for this over and over and over again. It's impossible to stop a quarterback, especially a mobile one, if he starts to move around and uses that pump fake. That's what Ben Roethlisberger thrived on throughout, you know, his long career, which, you know, that's another story that could be over. And before I do uh forget, let's talk about that real quick. Being now that the Steelers were bounced from the playoffs, a lot of questions surrounding Big Ben's future. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they just signed, I believe yesterday, Dwayne Haskins to a one-year deal. So we'll see what's made of that, but that's just a little bit of a sidebar. So game's tied at three. Rodgers with that big completion to Robert Tanya, really a breakout tight end in this league this season, came out of nowhere. Um, and, you know, like I said, this is Aaron Donald and co Jalen Ramsey, number one rated defense in the league. We saw what they did to Seattle and Russell Wilson a week ago. Wilson, 11 of 27, 174 yards. Much of that was late in the fourth quarter um, as he was just throwing up desperation heaves and such. Uh, and, and they sacked Russell, a mobile quarterback, five times. And I'm sorry if I if I get um, a little distracted throughout this episode i am watching my brooklyn nets right now minus kevin durant they're gonna rest durant tonight just to be cautious after playing a whopping 50 minutes the other night so anyway um this was the second time in aaron Rodgers' career that his team has put up 30 plus in the playoffs against the number one scoring defense that is why some argue that he is the most talented quarterback to ever play the position okay um he joined roger Staubach as the only quarterbacks to score 30 plus against the number one scoring defense not once but multiple times in the playoffs they're the only ones to do that the rams defense like i said they got to russell wilson sacking him five times they could not get to aaron Rodgers. and he showed why he's having the best season of his career he finished 23 of 36 for 296 yards and two touchdowns. Guys, Rodgers is 37 years old. He's showing us why he is still the absolute best. And then it, it comes back down to that pump fake. 
This one really sealed the deal. This was uh, Rodgers running it in. Just spectacular, spectacular play. Individual effort, great. Rodgers on the fake, looking, pumping. Rodgers running, and he's in. Touchdown, Green Bay. I didn't know he had that play fake in him. I tell you what, that, that was something special right there. And, and, you know, it's funny because Brandon Staley said at this point in his career, you know, it, it looks as though Aaron Rodgers is more of a tactical scrambler. Watch this. This is tremendous ability. Watch what he does. As I'm playing that clip, I'm watching the end of the Nets first quarter and they get us, they get a block and they get a fast break. They shoot a three and then Jeff Green goes for the rebound and he's clearly fouled at the end of the quarter. And the ref is literally standing right behind him. And and uh, TLC, um, Luau Cabarro, you know, they they turn around. Jeff Green's on the ground, and they're looking right at the ref. And, and there's literally no call. So uh, not happy about that. The Nets are down one, entering the second quarter. I would have liked to see a stronger start. I know there's no KD, but come on, this is a Cavs team that you know, for better or worse, just kind of embarrassed you throughout that double overtime, but we'll get to that. Back to Rodgers and the Packers versus the Bears a week ago. Um, Listen, he had that rushing touchdown. If that wasn't enough, the Packers have now won seven in a row and nine of their past 10 games, but the icing on the cake, if that wasn't enough, with the Packers up just seven, Aaron Rodgers goes play action to a guy that dropped a touchdown pass earlier in the game, Alan Lazard. Packers 176 yards on the ground. Jones has 98 of them. Play fake here, though. Rodgers going for it all, looking to break it open. It's great to see him make amends for that miss earlier in the game. Rodgers goes back to him. We've seen that a number of times this year. We just saw you, we just showed you some signals from Aaron Rodgers, Arthur Devontae Adams on the last one. He's going to do the same thing here. He sees the- All right, that's enough. I could cut the audio there. Interestingly enough, funny story about that play is throughout the weekend, um, DraftKings has been doing mystery boosts and you can pick who's going to score the first touchdown, etc. And my brother, um, my brother's wife, she got a mystery boost for um, Cooper Cup anytime touchdown score. So I also had that as well, but I knew Cooper Cup was injured. And even if he played, I wasn't confident that he would score a touchdown. Well, she bet it. Cooper Cup didn't play. DraftKings gave her a free bet. It was like $5, $10 bet or whatever. And they didn't know what to use it on. So my brother took her phone and was like, here we go. Lazard dropped a touchdown before. 
I'm going to bet that Lazard scores the next touchdown. Lo and behold, 58-yard play action bomb, and Lazard scores. It was a free bet, which turned into $100. Wow, my brother has been on fire. So, yeah, impressive, impressive, impressive. But this is going to be fun because the Brady versus Rodgers, which I'll get to the Brady game in just a little bit against the Saints, but uh, newsflash, yes, the Bucks beat the Saints. Sorry to spoil that if you didn't already know, but it's not, you know, it, it, we're a week later, so I'm not really spoiling anything. And um, so, yeah, Rodgers has won seven in a row, and the Bucks have won six in a row. So something's got to give, but uh, it should be a good one for sure. Okay, next up, I lost my uh, place here. We're going to go Bills and Bills and Ravens. Now, this was an interesting one because the Bills, okay, are hosting a playoff game, right? Hosting a playoff game for the first time since 1996, welcoming Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And the spread on this one, the line was around three. Um, but I don't know. My initial thought was was Ravens, right, to cover this one because the Bills barely got through the Colts and whatnot. But the weather was an obvious factor in this one. It was a ex an extremely low-scoring game. It was very sloppy. We saw a bunch of missed field goals which I'll get to in a second, but there was one absolute defining moment in this game. Out of all four of these games, this was the most defining of defining moments. Oh my God, Jarrett Allen just absolutely posterized my guy, Joe Harris. Oh, hate to see the fro do that to his old team. And then Joe Harris comes right back and no, can't make the throw. Uh, but here's the defining moment in the Ravens and Bills game. Jackson. He stays in the block. Jackson fires, and that will be intercepted in the end zone by Johnson. Karen Johnson. And only Jackson can stop him now. Too late to the end zone. Touchdown. Johnson had a pick six against Roethlisberger in one of the Pittsburgh games this year. And what a play on a third and goal. Just going to drop back, and you just simply don't see that underneath player. But that's not the story of that play. Fine. You throw an interception, no big deal. But you have to get Taron Johnson on the ground. And the Buffalo... So with the Ravens trailing 10-3, just under a minute left in the third quarter and going in to score, Lamar Jackson tried to, it was just awful, tried to get it to Mark Andrews. It was just bad. Taron Johnson was right there. The easy pick, 101-yard pick six. This had shades of the Super Bowl with James Harrison against the Cardinals. That was the defining moment of that Super Bowl. Just absolutely 
uh, just you can't you can't overcome that. It was the first actual actually it was the first red zone interception of Lamar Jackson's career. He previously had 49 touchdowns and zero interceptions in the red zone in his career entering Saturday. Just unbelievable. And then to make matters worse, on the ensuing possession, Lamar went uh, ends up going down, gets hurt, leaves to the locker room following a massive hit before being ruled out for the rest of the game. The Bills hadn't, uh, excuse me, yeah, I, I did see a thing too. Bills fans are crazy. They, uh, Bills Mafia, they donated to Lamar Jackson's charity, uh, because he got hurt like over 200 and I think like $290,000. Uh, but this one was, the Bills could have ran away with this. They had a really weird and interesting game plan. I know Josh Allen's been playing at an MVP level and they lost, um, Zach Moss, I believe, uh, for the rest of the season in the, the, the Colts game. Um, so they were down a running back, but they ran the ball, uh, I believe, like once in the first quarter and a half or so. Yeah, through the first quarter, they just, through the first half, they called just one designed run, which led to a 3-3 halftime score. Um, and then they opened up the second half, and Singletary, I think it was, had like a 20-something yard run on his first carry of the second half which was more than they had in the entire uh first half but the one thing the bills did have on their side and we are starting to see in these playoffs is fans and granted it's only 67,100 but you could you could take a listen to this and even um it, you know it's it's loud it sounds a lot louder than 6700 second down you know this is kind of crazy the, the bill said last week 6,700 people sounded like 67,000. We're here, and i got to tell you something. It does sound like almost 67,000. I have never seen human beings cheer harder when a ball hits the uprights than what happened in this stadium twice tonight. I mean, it is, it's a party in here. <laughs> there it is. You believe in miracles. There we go. Well, they, they finally won a home playoff game last week. What about tonight, second down and 27, and now looks like they got the Bills offside. Oh, no. Ball start. No. Number 77. Offense after distance to the goal. <laughs> second down. Bradley Bowie. Listen to this crowd. You know, it's the first time we've been in a stadium this season where you can truly jam the signals. They are impacting the game, and they know it. Look at them. Around here, they are going crazy right now. This town is just so alive with Bill's fever. It's amazing. This is some offense they're shutting down here, too. They are jamming this group up. Yeah, it is for it was for sure extremely, extremely loud. And you got to imagine that played some role in lifting the Bills to this victory. The game's first touchdown, like I said, it was 3-3 at the half. First touchdown didn't come until the third quarter when Josh Allen found Stefan Diggs on the wide receiver screen. Um, I needed Stefan Diggs for my mystery boost to score the first touchdown. So when they lined up at the three yard line and I saw three wide receivers on the left side of the field and just two, uh, just two Baltimore Ravens defenders. I was licking my lips and screaming, throw this ball 
to Stefan Diggs. Josh Allen heard me, got it right to him, and Diggs walked in, and I won 95 bucks off, I think, like a $5 or $10 bet. So that was nice. Uh, the Let's see. The, like, uh, the other big storyline in this one, too, I said the kicking game was a problem. Well, uh, the always sturdy, most accurate kicker in NFL history, Justin Tucker, doinked his first two field goal attempts off both uprights, one off the left upright, one off the right upright. And that was a huge, you know, swing because the Ravens could have been up nine to three at half. And then, you know, you don't know what happens from there. The win was clearly a factor. Uh, both kickers combined to go two for six on field goal attempts in this game. But uh, the Bills headed to the AFC championship game and deservedly so. They're the two seed and, you know, I'm rooting for them. Josh Allen, I think he's deserving of, you know, MVP just for the simple fact that the leap, he has improved leaps and bounds. We Yes, Aaron Rodgers is going to win MVP, but my goodness, what Brian Daybowl and what Sean McDermott have instilled in Buffalo. Josh Allen has bought in, this team has bought in, trading for Stefan Diggs has elevated this team to possible Super Bowl contenders. They can go in and to this AFC Championship game and definitely win. Who their opponent will be? Well, let's talk about it right now. The Kansas City Chiefs versus the Cleveland Browns. Who won this game and who moved on to the AFC Championship game? Well, it would be the Chiefs headed to their third straight AFC title game. They are one and one, so uh, we'll see what they do in this one. But they get the gritty 22-17 to win over the Cinderella Browns, who, quite frankly, you know, they finally made it to the playoffs. That long-awaited drought of quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. They seem to get it right with their coaching staff, with Kevin Stefanski, Baker Mayfield, and company. They have a great run game. Um, but the Cinderella story is over because they ran into the reigning Super Bowl champs but it wasn't without a dogfight. Looked to be, though, that this would be a, an early blowout. That was not the case. Uh, the Chiefs, look, uh, they just, two weeks off, they came right out the gate, and they ran down the field on their opening drive, and that's when uh, Patrick Mahomes said, uh, you know, he called six. Second and less than one. Second and goal. Yeah. Speed option. Saw it last year in the playoffs. Same deal. And then, whoop, excuse me. Yep, there it is. The read option or speed option, whatever you want to call it. We'll get to that later because this was not the last time that the Chiefs would run this play, but it's probably the last time they'll ever run this play with Patrick Mahomes again. But like I said, more on that in just a little bit later. This so opening drive, they go right down the field, score easy. Well, 
not so fast because what looked like it may be a blowout ended the second that, ooh, nice cut on the out-of-bounds play by Joe Harris for the score. Nets are down five still, almost five five minutes left in the half. Listen to this play. I am sure as a Kansas City Chiefs fan, people were holding their breath, which felt like an eternity probably. Take a listen to what happened on a fourth down play call by Andy Reid, not his finest moment. Is he? Oh my gosh, yo. Oh, see his eyes. Chad Henney is his backup. He's going to be coming in. I mean, so they ran the same exact option play that they did on the touchdown, and Mahomes kept it, got tackled awkwardly, could barely stand up if not for his teammate catching him, went into the tent, quickly went to the locker room, was ruled out of, was ruled out for the remainder of the game, and that's when panic started to set in, and that's when the Cleveland Browns started to lick their chops because that was all they needed to get right back in this game. Down 22-10 to at the start of the fourth quarter, the Browns quickly marched down the field and punched it in. Take down a giant number two. Third and goal, and Hunt is home for the touchdown. Back to Kansas City, and he's in the end zone for the score. My brother also had Kareem Hunt anytime touchdown, and he hit on that. So that makes it a one-possession game, 22-17. to The score would stay like that the rest of the way, but it was not without certain drama. Like I said, Chad Henney came into the game, and they weren't really doing much. He threw a horrific interception on one... Po- uh, possession where he just threw it up like into the end zone and it was like center fielder back there catching a pop fly just absolute interception so that was bad um then after that um you have so chad henny comes into the game 35 years old coincidentally been in the league 13 years this was his first ever playoff action playoff game he went six for eight 66 yards that interception i just talked about but he won the game for them, made two of the biggest plays of his career, possibly ever, um, late in the fourth quarter. And if the Chiefs go on to win a Super Bowl, it's going to be because of these two plays that he made. First, Henny scrambled. L- let me set this up for you. We have just over a minute left in the game. The Cleveland Browns are running out of timeouts. They need a stop to get the ball back. And it's third and 14, I believe. Yeah, third and 14. And just take a listen because huh, Tony Romo was pumped up. Here's Henning in trouble. Trying to run for it. Running. He's going to die for it. And the mark is going to be close. Oh my goodness. I can't believe they let him get him free. And I think they've spotted him just shy. It'll be fourth and a foot. Chad Henning may have just sent Kansas City into the championship game putting your body on the line I think he's gonna get it that's what Patrick Mahomes 
Mahomes, he steals the same yeah. job that Patrick does, puts his head down knowing where the first down is, and set. Tony Romo was so fired up, he thought for sure that he got the first down to send them into victory formation. That was not the case. Upon review, upon slow motion angles, Chad Henney's elbow was just down a yard short. Now, listen, we know Andy Reid likes will go for it occasionally on fourth down. And if Mahomes is in there, no question, maybe you go for this. Well, it's not Andy. Uh, it's not Mahomes. It's Chad Henney. What does Andy Reid do? Lines up to go for it on their own, maybe like 38, 40 yard line, right? Just ludicrous. About a minute left. They don't get this. Um, they lose the game. The, the Browns could go and score very easily, even though they have no timeouts. While they line up, you think, okay, maybe they're just going to fake it, hope that the Browns, which would be in you know total Browns fashion, like Sheldon Richardson jumps off sides, right? Like it just totally just horrible, something like that to happen to the Browns. But they line up to go for it, and you think they can't possibly. They, there's no way they could do this with, with Chad Henney, right? Well, they're not under center. They're in shotgun. And as a defender, you know, I'm sitting on the couch thinking, as a defender, how do you possibly defend this? You don't want to jump off sides, but at the same time, if they hike this ball and try to run it, you have to be ready. Well, guess what? They were not ready. Chad Henney hiked the ball, and guess what? He found Tyreek Hill wide open. Nobody was covering him. Not one player was on him, and... Tyreek Hill caught the ball, ran a couple yards, and fell down in bounds. Oh, there is a play. Henny rolling out, throws it. Hill! And the Chiefs are heading to the AFC Championship game. Only Andy Reid gets it shotgun on fourth and an inch. And throws the ball with the quarterback. There's no way. He shocked everybody. I mean, that is impossible. I've never seen it. And Tyreek Hill, no one thinks they're snapping it. Yeah, nobody thought they were snapping it. The only thing that made me question whether they might snap it was the simple fact that they were in shotgun. Um, otherwise, you know, if they're under center, they maybe fake it and then they just they punt the the, the football. But kudos to Andy Reid for, you know, having the gonads to make that call. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. What more can I say? The Chiefs are back in the AFC Championship game. Okay, if there's anything we learned on Sunday, it's that beating a team three times in one season is hard, but beating Tom Brady three times is probably impossible, and that was the realization for the Saints and Drew Brees Brady and the Bucks started slow, but they came to play. Todd Bowles had that defense ready to go. Brady was not great in this one, but he was better than Drew Brees' three interceptions. Brady started off real slow, finished the, the, the game 18 of 33, 199 yards and two touchdowns, but he didn't really have to do much. They had an interception return down to like the two yard line. Um, you know, another interception returned pretty far 
Um, and Brady also greatest QB sneaker ever ran one in. This is pathetic. The Nets um, just gave up a fast break layup and then a dunk. They are now down by seven, two minutes to go before the half. Uh, Brady was efficient. He didn't turn the ball over. That was good. Connected with eight different receivers on the day through touchdown passes to Mike Evans. Mike Evans was a mystery boost for the first touchdown. Hit that. Uh, I didn't hit that, but a lot of people did that I know. Um, and Leonard Fournette, he hit Leonard Fournette on that nice angle route touchdown over the middle um, inside the red zone. Um, and actually, I think I have the audio of that one because that was that might have been the one that sealed the deal. Let me grab. Let me. There we go. Brady's going to take it. Touchdown. Tom Brady has got the touchdown on the carry from just outside the one. And the lead is extended to nine with the extra point coming up. And the bulk. Of yeah, that extended it to nine. And it was basically over from there. Brady is now 14 and two in the divisional round and has earned his 14th trip to a conference title game. Actually, um, I'm mistaken. The Brady quarterback sneak with like four minutes left, 457 left. That sealed the deal. Uh, like I said, greatest QB sneaker ever. There was another fourth down early in this game that was around uh, their own side of the field, maybe the 40, and Brady snuck it and got the first down. He just knows how to get low, churn those feet, and find the gaps, and, and he always gets those first downs. 14-2, and two, like I said, in the divisional round, he's earned his 14th trip to a conference title game. I mean, that's that's just absurd. The New York Jets haven't made the playoffs in 10, 11 years, and he is going to his 14th NFC title, uh, uh, you know, title game or cha conference championship game and doing it in his first year in the NFC, which, you know, the Dallas Cowboys have been to what one NFC championship game in the last 20 something years. And Brady in his first try in the NFC made it there in one try one season that's all it's taken Jameis Winston couldn't do it last year with largely the same roster and Brady does it in one try and oh by the way he's 43 years old uh like I said Drew Brees not a good game three interceptions and it was clear uh there was just something not right with this team and Jay Glazer reported earlier in the day that Breeze plans to retire at the end of the season. And if he does, he will end his career thinking what could have been. Here's Jay Glazer quickly before the game. Still shaking from that piece from Tom Rinaldi. Incredible, right? Drew Brees, tonight will be the last game he plays at the Superdome. And whatever his next, his, his last game is, uh, if they lose tonight, if they lose next week, that'll be the last game he plays in the NFL. I really believe this is it. You That's believe that? That is it. No, that is it. Drew Brees will be done. That's it. Tom Brady will continue. Drew Brees, this will be his last game Enjoy this. in the Superdome. Absolutely. Wow. Thanks for the breaking news there as well. So they lose this game. Brees has yet to come out and announce his official retirement. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. But he's all lined up to work, I think, for NBC or something like that. So we'll see. But man, the New Orleans Saints and Michael Thomas, by the way, zero catches in this one. A big fat goose egg. I was texting with my friends and I said to them, 
you know, mark my words, book this, Michael Thomas will try to force a trade out of New Orleans. We later found out that he has to get surgery now, but sounds like, you know, a lot of people are trying to make excuses for, for this team and constantly making excuses. And I've said this time and time again, this roster, this team with Drew Brees for such a long, stable time, uh, you know, having Sean Payton and Drew Brees there for so many years, there's no question this team should have won more Super Bowls than the one that they did win. Um, so I, I can't help but think that, you know, Sean Payton isn't as good as everyone wants to think. He He's trying to always get Taysom Hill involved and in running gadget plays and whatnot. And, and we saw one here where Jameis Winston threw the touchdown. But um, yeah, it's just, it, I don't know, man. Something about Sean Payton just just begs, you know, me thinking like, if not for Bounty Gate, like, does this guy win anything? Um, so yeah. Um, but like I said, Breeze yet to officially announce anything. And how about the Saints' last four playoff exits? Minneapolis miracle where Case Keenum just heaves it up and they just whiff on the tackle. You have the PI no call um, against the Rams in 2018, the overtime loss to the Vikings last year, and now this one. Um, and, and yeah, just got to be rough for Drew Brees. I mean, hey, this is a tough sport. There's some some all-time great quarterbacks. Archie Manning is one of them that 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 just were on terrible teams and, and could not win a Super Bowl. Phillip Rivers, another one. Um, although I can't stand Phillip Rivers, but. Um, yeah, so now we get the conference championship games. You've got the let me pull up the official um the official times and schedules for these two games. And and let me first say, first of all, the Bucks, they will be without Antonio Brown. He just played a handful of snaps in this one. He was shown largely on the sideline with his helmet. Looked like, you know, maybe just coach's decision he wasn't getting back in there, but no, he's dealing with a knee injury. Bruce Arians came out and announced already that he will not play in that game. Um, so the first game you've got is Sunday at, excuse me, 3.05 p.m. You've got the Packers hosting the Bucks. This line is three and a half right now, okay? Um, there's going to be fans there at Lambeau. The over-under, I believe, is somewhere around 51 and a half, which is odd, because the Saints-Bucks game was around 55-56, and the Saints have a better defense than the Packers, but the Packers have a way better offense. So, interestingly enough, R.J. Bell was alluding to the weather. It's supposed to be snowy there in the 20s, but guess what? Tom Brady played in New England. He knows a thing or two about snow and cold weather, okay? Um, and the only issue here I could see is the wind, because we saw the wind in Buffalo played a big role. If you can't score touchdowns and you're settling for field goals, you could see a lot of missed uh, missed kicks. Um, so that's the only thing that you might want to keep an eye on. But Tampa Bay, they're my last hope. Super Bowl champs, baby. That's what I need. Uh, we've never seen a team win a Super Bowl in their own home stadium. I don't even know if we've ever seen a um, if we've ever seen a team play in their own stadium for a Super Bowl. So I would just absolutely love, love, love to see that. And especially since Tampa Bay um, has announced that they will host 22,000 fans for the Super Bowl, including 7,500 vaccinated 
healthcare workers. So that is going to be awesome. I'm rooting for Brady and Co. And you know what? I would take Brady and, and, and the the Bucks plus three and a half. Um, I love the hook there. Um, I absolutely love that. You know the the most common um you know spreads are three, and so the fact that this is three and a half, you might be a little you know against yourself here if you go Packers minus the three and a half because I really do think that um this could be a a three point type of game or that the Bucks could win this straight up. And I have to think that because, you know, I have a lot of money riding on the Bucks to win it all. Um, listen, look, the Bucks match up great against them. Todd Bowles had an unbelievable approach last time they played, and they won 38 to 10, holding the Packers to just 15 yards rushing. And the Packers against the Rams, 175 plus yards. If they could do that again, then it's game over and they smoke Brady and company. But I don't think that's the case. I think Todd Bowles is savvy enough. Um, to give them different looks and stop the run and just don't let up the deep pass and, and, and keep Rodgers at bay, and they, they could hold up on this one. And then the second game, you've got the uh, Chiefs and Bills at 640. And again, this one is same thing, Chiefs minus 3.5. I'm taking both underdogs here. I really like the Bills. Look, it was officially announced Patrick Mahomes cleared concussion protocol. He will start on Sunday in this game. But guess what? He's dealing with a toe or an ankle injury. Also, I don't expect him to be fully 100%. So guess what? I like the Bills. They're a Cinderella-type story. I would love to see some change up here. I would love to see the Tampa Bay Bucks host the Buffalo Bills in their home stadium in Tampa Bay. Book it. I would not touch the over in this one. Um, I just don't trust it. I think this could be a little bit of a low-scoring, trappy-type game, but I, I'm, I am advocating for both unders in this, in this one. Okay, let's jump in. Finally, talk some NBA, and let's talk about my, my Brooklyn Nets. Since acquiring James Harden from the Rockets last week, the Nets have been rolling. James Harden, all he did without practicing at all was come in his first game. He goes for 32, uh, over 10 assists, over 10 rebounds, triple-double in his first game. First player ever to score a 30-point triple-double in his debut with a team. In his second game, the Nets defeated the Bucks, who are supposed to be the seventh-best defensive uh, uh, team in the league, or, or, or at least top five. And they put up 125. They win 125-123. That game was on Monday. It was Harden's hustle play in that game. At the end, under a, uh, with under a minute left, he gets the offensive rebound. The kick out at the top of the key to Durant for what would be the game-winning three. Harden's stats have been video game-like. Like I said, triple-double. And th he goes for 34 in that second game. Durant and Harden combining for 138 points in their first two games as teammates, which is the second most in a duo's first two games with a franchise, the most by uh, Wilt Chamberlain and York Larice on the 61 Warriors. Wilt Chamberlain had 139 of those, and this Larice guy had just 12 points. Um, all eyes on the Nets Wednesday night as they went to headed to Cleveland to face the Cavs, of course, because Kyrie Irving finally came back after a long and basically unexplained absence. Um, here's here's a soundbite from Kyrie. 
Can you shed some light on what the last couple of weeks have been like for you and the time you needed off? Um, it's a lot of family and personal stuff going on. So just want to leave it at that. So yeah, Kyrie danced around these questions left, right, and center. And I'm, I'm sorry. It's not good enough. He gave no explanation. He was a no call, no show. Um, I don't really have sympathy for a guy that is, you know, even if he is dealing with some mental health stuff and, and needed to seek help, that's fine. And that's all well and good, even though, um, uh, I, I still think that is more of a cop out and, and he's trying to just involve himself too much in the politics of, of what's going on in the country right now. Um, but you know what? He makes $33 million plus a year. He was fined for his absences and, um, he's looking to put it behind him. But I, I really did not like this press conference. This, this conference did, did not go well. It was not a good look for Kyrie. Um, and if you watched the zoom meeting, he, he's sitting there and he, he says, um, you know, look, he, he goes out, but then what makes matters worse. And this is why athletes always get themselves in trouble, right? Because he wants to say mental health, he needed a break, this, that social justice stuff. Great. But then there's videos of you at your sister's part uh, 30th birthday party, maskless dancing, you know, at the club, like that's just a bad look. And then when he's asked about it, he doesn't say anything. He just says this. Malika Andrews, ESPN. Hi, Kyrie. I, I'm wondering if you were aware that you had violated the health and safety protocols and what that process was like for you in coming back and going through that investigation one. And then secondly, what your communication was like with the team while you were away. Happy to be back. Happy to be around these guys. Address the team. Address everybody that needed to be addressed. Now it's time to move on. Bruce Beck. Health and safety front. I'm sorry, Malika, go ahead. I just was circling back on the health and safety front. Happy to be back. Thank you. Malika Andrews. Yeah, so that he he did Malika Andrews dirty. I mean, he doesn't want to answer her questions. He just says, Oh, I'm happy to be back. But look, if you watched that Zoom press conference, what a pathetic display of professionalism. I get it. It's not the same. You're sitting, you know, at a podium with a computer in front of you on a Zoom call answering these questions. But my goodness, if you're happy to be back, where's the enthusiasm? He slunched over the the, the podium with his arms crossed, just slouched down. I, I, I mean, are you kidding me? Nobody could get away with that in the real world. And I get it. They're professional athletes. They can do what they want. The NBA, especially these players, have way too much power. I've said this for a, many years now, and, and it's got to change. This is all LeBron's fault. He dictates who his coaches are. He basically runs the organization, each and every one that he goes to. But he showed, this Kyrie Irving show, showing zero emotion, uh, really zero enthusiasm. And, you know, we're supposed to take you at face value that you're happy to be back. Uh, unbelievable. Um, but anyway, back to the court. He, you know, he practiced on Tuesday. This was their first time, all three of them together. And it was actually Harden's first time practicing as well. They practiced on Tuesday, get ready for this game. And look, Kyrie Irving looked good. Uh, he, he was not rusty. The Nets made their first 10 shots to start the game. They got off to a great start. Of course, you see the growing pains with these three as they missed then their next 10 shots. And the Cavs went on a 17-0 run, but uh, this one, 
would end up going to double overtime. I, you know, the Nets should have won the game. They were down most of the way. They came back. They tied it up, sent it to overtime. Uh, Durant ends up scoring 38, Kyrie 37, and Harden, who, you know, has been rolling for two games. Kyrie comes back, and you could really see Harden deferring to him. He's like, here you go. You know, you're the prima donna of the bunch. You need to get your touches. Let's get you going. First game back, and he was feeding him a lot. Second half, he started to uh, switch it up and, and decide, I'm going to score a little bit myself. Harden had just 21, but he did have a, his second triple-double in three games with the Nets, and the Nets' big three combined for 96 points, okay? Um, and listen, Rome wasn't built in a day. The Heat lost in their debut with LeBron, Wade, and Bosh, as did the Warriors with Steph, Clay, and KD. The, the Nets don't have a problem scoring the basketball. That's That's clear as day. The lingering question is, can they play defense? And right now, the answer is no. Jarrett Allen, Torian Prince, two former Nets players made their debuts in this game. And look, they played with some fiery emotion. You know, Cavs, one of the worst offensive teams in the league, failed to score 100 in like nine straight. And of course, they come out and put up 100 and what, 40, uh, 147 points and smoke the Nets by 12 in double overtime. Nets should have won this game in the first overtime, got out to a quick 5-0 start. And then, of course, um, they they blow that lead with a couple seconds left. Colin Sexton hits a three to force double overtime in what would be the Colin Sexton show where he uh, went, you know, Super Saiyan uh, a la a la Clay Thompson. You know, it was Clay Thompson-esque. He scored 20 straight points, went like five for seven from three. In overtime, outscored the the Nets' big three, 20 to 19. I mean, the Nets just ran out of a little bit of gas. Steve Nash ran those three into the ground with KD playing like 50 minutes. It was just insane. And look, they'll get they'll get it going again. They're playing tonight without KD. They're down one at half. Um, I'm not too too worried about it. Uh, they'll probably win this game, and, and we'll go from there. But um, you know, they'll be fine in the long run. But right now. They have a couple roster spots they have to fill. I, I'm confident Sean Marks and company will get this thing straightened out. Uh, let's talk quickly some college basketball. Obviously, it has been a weird season to say the least. No fans. It's really affected a lot of these top tier programs. No thanks to COVID-19. Games have been suspended and oftentimes even canceled. Um, if you needed any more evidence that this season has been far from normal, look no further than the AP Top 25 for the first time since December 18th, 1961. Duke, North Carolina, and Kentucky are not ranked in the AP poll. And look even further, and you'll see that my alma mater, Rutgers, was once ranked as high as number 14 in the country higher than all three of these teams as well, and five straight losses later, including one last night to a very bad Penn State team. Rutgers is no longer ranked and on the brink of missing the NCAA tournament for a record 30th straight year. To put that into perspective, I was not alive the last time that Rutgers went dancing. Um, one of the worst droughts in any sport. Easily. Uh, that I could think of, but yeah, so it, it's going to be a weird, wacky, wacky finish to uh, the college basketball season. A lot of upsets, a lot of teams 
not making the tournament that you would expect to see. Um, but yeah, wow. Um, and we'll see what happens. In some other news, Philip Rivers has announced his retirement after 17 seasons. I believe that came yesterday. The 38-year-old quarterback was the number four overall pick in the 2004 NFL draft. Of course, he was selected by the Giants and then involved in a draft night uh, swap with the San Diego, the then San Diego Chargers for the number one overall pick of Eli Manning. So Eli Manning, um, he forced his way out of San Diego. He said, I'm not going to San Diego. So San Diego took, took him with that number, number one overall pick, traded with the Giants and the rest is history. Eli Manning went to the Giants. Rivers went to San Diego where he had a 16 year, uh, career there. Um, 13 of which were in San Diego before they relocated the last few seasons to LA before, of course, playing this final season of his 17 year career with the Indianapolis Colts. Here was, uh, Philip Rivers statement in, let's just face it, Philip Rivers fashion. He said every year, January 20th is a special and emotional day. It is St. Sebastian's feast day, the day I played in the AFC championship without an ACL. And now the day that after 17 seasons, I'm thankful uh, I'm announcing my retirement from the National Football League. Thank you, God, for allowing me to live out my childhood dream of playing quarterback in the NFL. I am grateful to the Chargers for 16 seasons and the Colts for the 17th season. Thank you to all my coaches that helped me grow as a player and person. Thank you to the support staff. I appreciate the opposing defenses making it challenging physically and mentally every week. I also enjoyed the banter. I appreciate the referees for putting up with all my fussing. I think I was right most of the time. Daggummit, that's a Southern thing. Thanks to the fans in San Diego and around the nation that both cheered and booed. Special thanks to my teammates, without a doubt. My favorite part of the game being a teammate. Thank you for being mine. And lastly, thank you to my wife and best friend, Tiffany, and our children, Haley, Caroline, Grace, Gunner, Sarah, Peter, Rebecca, Claire, and Anna. Could not have done it without y'all's unwavering support. So to count, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine children. I thought he had upwards of like 11, but. Uh, he's got Robert Salabi, that's for sure. As my playing career comes to an end, the next chapter begins. N-U-N-C-C-O-E-P-I, Philip Rivers. Um, I feel stupid, but I don't know what those abbreviations stand for. Um, trying to think. That's not an NC State thing where he went to college. I'm not sure. Um, anyway. I'm not a Philip Rivers fan or follower, so I'm not really too sure. But anyway, great career overall. As much as I hate on him, the little girly sidearm throw, 421 touchdowns in his career, made eight Pro Bowls, all with the Chargers, and his streak of 240 consecutive starts at quarterback is the second behind Brett Favre's total of 297. Despite his regular season success, including a 134 and 106 lifetime record and just four seasons below 500, Philip Rivers made it as far as the AFC Championship only once in his career back in 07 against the Patriots when he tore that ACL or played without the ACL, as he alluded to. But let's deep, deep dive into the numbers. Fifth most 
completions in NFL history, fifth most passing yards in history, fifth most passing touchdowns in history, finished his career with 252 consecutive starts, eight-time Pro Bowler, most passing yards and passing touchdowns of any quarterback without a Super Bowl appearance. Wow. Wowzer. Great career he will be in Canton soon enough. The Philadelphia Eagles made headlines yesterday for they are hiring 39-year-old little-known offensive coordinator of the Indianapolis Colts, Nick Sirianni, to take over for the departed or fired Doug Peterson. He was let go this offseason after Philly finished last in the NFC East at 4-11-1. So Sirianni joins the Eagles from the Colts, like I said, where he worked for three seasons as OC uh, for Frank Reich, who came over originally from Doug Peterson's staff. So there is some some um, knowledge there or some ties to the Eagles there. Uh, despite Sirianni's age, he does have a lengthy coaching resume dating back to 04. He was a star wide receiver for Mount Union, which is a Division three school in Ohio. He began coaching the defensive backs there the year following his grad- graduation, so much like many of these coaches as a uh, GA or grad assistant. He moved on to coach wide receivers at Indiana University of Pennsylvania for a few seasons before making the jump to the professional ranks as an offensive quality control coach for the Kansas City Chiefs in 2009. So yeah, I forgot to mention he has ties to Andy Reid as well. While the Eagles announced their coaching hire, the Lions and Jets were introducing their head coaches. And oh, do I have some fun uh, clips to play for you. Let's start with the Lions, who hired um, Saints tight end tight ends coach Dan Campbell. Now, if you don't know who Dan Campbell is, I alluded to this last week when there was rumblings that that's who they were hiring. Dan Campbell, interim head coach with the Dolphins about five years ago. He is as old school a guy, a coach as there is, okay? He is the guy that... um probably waivers on crazy in this day and age or abusive almost, if you will. But man, oh man, he's the type of guy that you want to run through a wall for. Listen to Dan Campbell's opening press conference or introductory press conference with the Detroit Lions as he is announced as the newest head coach in the Motor City. All right, and so this team's going to be built on, uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth, all right, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you, and when you knock us down, we're going to get up, and on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right, and we're going to stand up, and then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down, all right, and on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, and we're going to get up, and then it's going to take three shots to get us down, and when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before before long, we're going to be the last one standing, all right, that's going to be the mentality. All right. And we're going to learn that any loss that we take, we're going to make sure we feel the full pain of it and not go numb to it and learn from it. I mean, let's just put it this way. I don't know if Dan Campbell will have success in Detroit, but he wants to change the culture and he's probably going to get in trouble for, for, for that there. Um, another part of this that I didn't play is he, he, he said, um, uh, he, he cursed and then he's like, excuse my language. Uh, but that's just Dan Campbell. He's unfiltered. He's not really, he's not really like a professional. He's just a, a bat, uh, uh, excuse me, a football guy. He is 
through and through. Uh, you know, you, there's guys um, in the NFL, you know, coaches, players, whatever, where they just they'll they'll tell you, I'm I'm just a football guy. Like that's their life. They they eat, sleep, and breathe uh, that you know football. They don't know what 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 else is going on around them or in the world. And that's Dan Campbell, and he's wants to change the culture in Detroit, in the motors, excuse me, in the Motor City. Okay, because they have a bit of a culture problem, a losing problem, complacency problem. And there's just something about a guy that will run Oklahoma, the Oklahoma drill until the sun is down that just makes you want to play for him and appreciate that kind of, you know, that kind of uh, style of coaching. So I hope it works out for him in, in the long run. And then next up, let's talk about my New York Jets because on Thursday, yesterday as well, they introduced their head coach, Robert Sala, the first Muslim head coach in league history. Okay. Um, another fiery guy, but he, you know, tamed it down, toned it down just a tad bit. And the, uh, key coming out of Robert Sala's mouth and, and what his mantra is and what he preaches is, well, just listen for yourself. Our players, myself and the entire coaching staff are beyond excited to work with each and every single one of you. We're going to do this thing together for our organization. Get used to the mantra, all gas, no break. When we talk about all gas, no break, we're not talking about effort on the field. We're talking about the process at which we do thing, do things. We're talking about the way we prepare, the way we wake up every single morning the way we rehab, the way we communicate, the way we speak to one another. Cannot tell you enough about how excited I am to work with this entire Jets organization and understanding that when we wake up in the morning, we will all, from top down, step on the pedal and find a way to get somewhat better than we were when we, uh, when we woke up. Gotta love it. This guy is the total opposite of Todd Bowles. He is the total polar opposite of Adam Gase. And I can't be happier that we hired him as our what 20th head coach in, in Jets history. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. I could get into it and, and you know go go more in depth, but uh we're pressed for time here. We're over the hour mark, so let's just quickly move on. Couple last things. Uh George Springer the other day with a huge signing out of a left field, George Springer agreeing with to a six-year $150 million contract with the Toronto Blue Jays. So all offseason, everybody was was speculating he was going to sign with the New York Mets. And the Mets were in the running, but the Mets, from my understanding, did not want to go over $125 million. And Mets fans, you should be happy about that because if you spent this kind of money that the Blue Jays did irresponsibly, I might add, then you wouldn't have been able to re-sign Lindor as well as Michael Conforto. So I'm shocked at this because the the look look Springer is a good player. Um, his home run numbers in the playoffs and World Series, uh, you know, are great and and whatnot. But let's not forget the fact that this team cheated for three years. Okay, so how much of that was uh, George Springer knowing what pitches are coming and having a, a leg up? Granted, if you compare, you know, take his numbers from the 60 game season we just had, he would have been on pace to hit like 40 some odd home runs and all that. 
the sabermetric guys love that stuff, right? But who knows if he got injured, what, whatever, what have you. But Springer's 31 years old. You're going to give him 150 million. He's a, oh, he's a good player, but come on. That contract, he's not going to live up to that contract, which, not, by the way, is the biggest contract the Blue Jays have ever shelled out. And not to mention a Blue Jays team that is going to be playing in a minor league stadium in Buffalo, at least until the summer, probably. So just shocking and also shocked considering that the New York Yankees signed DJ LeMahieu to a six-year, $90 million contract. If you if you ha- gave me two, you know these two guys and I had to start a team with one of them, I'm taking DJ LeMahieu all day long, and it's not because I'm a Yankee fan. It's because, guess what? DJ LeMahieu is a better player than George Springer. He's a better hitter. He's a professional freaking hitter. And guess what? DJ LeMahieu can play multiple positions, whereas Springer is a center fielder. So totally baffled by this, um, that they, they signed him to a six-year whopping $150 million. Six, he's not worth $60 million more than DJ LeMahieu. Newsflash. And then bizarre, bizarrely enough, or bizarre enough, was the fact that his former teammate in Houston, Michael Brantley was also rumored for like 30, 40 minutes to an hour um, that he was also going to be joining Springer in in uh, Toronto, which would be uh, a bit of a problem as a Yankees fan because that lineup is already pretty good. Uh, they still have work to do with the pitching and they're a young group. But uh, so Brantley rumored to be going there. No, in fact, he re-signed with the Houston Astros on a two-year $34 million uh, deal there. And then finally, last but not least, we must talk about um, a legend that we lost this morning. Um, it is a sad day in the baseball community and the sports community. We mourn the loss of Henry Lewis Aaron, better known as Hammerin Hank Aaron, uh, Hammerin Hank the one-time home run king. He passed away this morning at the age of 86. Aaron didn't always receive congratulations for his accomplishments. However, he faced uh, he did face racism throughout his career and shared many of those accounts in his autobiography, especially um, victim to many death threats as he closed in on and eventually broke Babe Ruth's home run record of 714. Um, To put that, to put into perspective how revered he was as not only a baseball player, but just a human being more than anything, Muhammad Ali famously called him the only man I idolize more than myself. Uh, He played his first 21 years of his Major League Baseball career with the Milwaukee Braves before the team's move to Atlanta. He capped his career with two years back in Milwaukee as a member of the Brewers. And he wasn't just a home run hitter. That's what a lot of people fail to realize. He finished his career with 755 home runs, second all-time to Barry Bonds, although as far as I'm concerned, he is the all-time home run king because he did it without steroids. A 305 lifetime batting average. He is first in MLB history in RBIs, total bases, and extra base hits. 
second in home runs, and third in hits. He was inducted into Cooperstown on August 1st, 1982, and he is one of, I believe, 10 or so Hall of Famers to pass since the start of the pandemic last year. Of course, um, we just had Don Sutton pass away, former Dodger uh, pitcher, great. Um, Just as Kyrie Irving hits the three, the Nets are down. Jesus, the Nets are down uh, eight points here. But yeah, just a sad day in baseball. Uh, Hank Aaron passing away. And let's take a a, a quick listen before we get you guys out of here. Quick listen to Hank Aaron um, hitting his 715th home run to break Babe Ruth's record. This call, thanks to Vince, the, the great Vince Scully. One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive into deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. in the deep south for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron, who was met at home plate not only by every member of the Braves, but by his father and mother. He threw his arms around his father, and as he left the home plate area, his mother came running across the grass, threw her around his neck kissed him for all she was worth yeah um there was a scary moment and of course if you're a baseball guy or gal you know this that you've seen this clip before as he's rounding second the two guys jump out of the stands and they come over to him and he, like i said he was getting death threats at the time because that nobody wanted him the whites didn't want him to break the record and and, and be the home run king as a black man and these guys were white, and they came running up to him, and you're thinking, oh my God, or they might kill this guy, but it was actually the exact opposite. Of course, today's day and age, you can't do that. You would get tackled or tased before, well before you got to a player, but they just ran up to him as he's rounding second, and they're like congratulating him and, and, and tapping him on the back, and it was just an awesome moment in, in, in baseball history, but more importantly, in sports history. And uh, much much like we have a um, a Jackie Robinson day where everybody wears forty two, I think maybe we should have a uh, a, a Hank Aaron day. And, and you know because he 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 was synonymous with the number forty four, and of course um, he you know uh, sorry I'm getting a little distracted here oh my god the nets are bad right now okay um yeah mr october himself reggie jackson that's the reason he wore number 44 was hank aaron um just a total baseball icon and maybe we should we should have a uh hank aaron day in baseball i think 
the, the fans would love that and the players especially would be all for that. So something to think about if you are Rob Manfred. I'm sure that's going to be discussed at some point or another. Okay, and then finally, as I get you out of here on this date in sports, January 22nd. 2006, Kobe Bean Bryant, the late, great Kobe Bean Bryant, electrifying Staples Center by having the second highest scoring game in NBA history. He scored 81 points as the Lakers pummeled the Toronto Raptors 122 to 104. Kobe was 28 for 46 from the field, including 7 of 13 from three-point range. He set a Lakers franchise record, topping the 71 points scored by Elgin Baylor in 1960. Um, Only Wilt Chamberlain in his 100-point game in 1962 had more points in an NBA game. Kobe would win his first scoring title with 35.4 points per game in that 2006 season and of course in four days on tuesday which also happens to be my sister's birthday so happy birthday to her it will be the one-year anniversary of kobe bryant's death still can't believe it but i leave you with this audio clip of one of the greatest performances you will ever see in a basketball game i'll never forget i was in either high school freshman in high school or eighth grade and I went to bed at halftime of this game and missed him uh you know scoring 81 but enjoy your weekend um I will spend a lot of it watching sports as well as working I'm working on an audiobook narrating that so a lot of things going on but stay safe enjoy your sports go bucks here it is a tribute to the late great Kobe Bryant on this date in sports I'll see you next week everybody Pody signing off Kobe with it now. Lakers lead 105-96. Another three. Well, there goes Wilt. <laughs> Wilt went from second to third on the list. Remarkable stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Four away from Elgin Baylor's Laker record. Yes! Everybody wants it to get into Kobe's hand. Kobe guarded by Mo Peterson. Kobe pump fake for two. Kobe's got the Laker record. <laughs> the crowd is on their feet. Crowd is going nuts. Kobe all the way. Kobe put it up. Two coming to get to 80 and 81. And an 81-point game. Kobe Bryant, absolutely incredible. Last time I talked to you, you had 62, a career high. You just scored 81 points. The second most points in the history of the NBA. Is this the stuff of dreams? Did you dream of this when you were a little kid? You know what? I, I, I couldn't even dream of this when I was a kid. You know, there's no way possible.